Good morning, everybody. My name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm excited to get us into God's word. Uh, And I invite you to pray with me before we do that. Jesus, uh, first of all, just grateful for your presence here with us. Um, That's the only thing that really matters this morning. And it makes all the difference. Um, We're thankful for one another. And uh, we're just grateful for the way that you pursue us, the way that you first loved us. And we want to just get to know you better through your word today. And we want to be transformed to be more like you. And we want our lives to look more like you've created us to be. And so we just invite you to have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, I've had a big change in my life recently. Me and my wife just welcomed our third child on July 7th. Um, And uh, it was awesome, man. Uh, Her name is Cana Lily. And um, Cana, like where Jesus did his first miracle. And um, it's uh, it's been a fun time welcoming her into our family. It's also been a weird time. Because uh, what happened is, so we had her and my, my other two kids, Eden and Seth, were with my parents, and uh, they got COVID while they were with my parents. <laughs> and so, um, so I j- just got home yesterday from being quarantined with my kids for the last two weeks. So I, I was missing my wife and my baby girl for the last couple weeks. And so it was an awkward uh, time. <laughs> it was not great timing. Um, but I, I, I am just very happy to be here today is basically what I'm trying to say. Uh, and, um, and man, it was, it's been so fun uh, just finally being all together as a family. And uh, the other dynamic too it, uh, for, the, for me bringing a message this morning is we were going to have um, Boaz, who was our tour guide in Israel uh, when we went to three years ago. Um, he was going to be here this morning and his flight got changed because of weather. And so he was going to be sharing with us some things this morning. And so anyway, found out yesterday around one or two o'clock that he wasn't going to be here. And so then it was like, okay, I guess I'm preaching today. Um, <laughs> And so anyway, man, it's been, I'm just glad to be here. That's all, that's all I got to say. I'm just glad to be here. And here's the thing is that, well, uh, this is not going to be the best message you've ever heard, but we'll just have fun with it. We'll have fun spending some time in God's word this morning. And uh, anyway, we'll just let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do in our hearts, regardless of me and how prepared I am. So that said, rather than bring you a ill-prepared message out of Acts, out of a passage I hadn't spend, spent much time studying, I'm going to kind of take us through a, uh, just kind of a, a different topic this morning. Just some stuff, some passages that I've been meditating on a lot recently, some things that God's been teaching me a lot, and that's what we're going to do today. So sorry, I'm not trying to lie to you by having an axe bumper, but then not even talking about anything out of axe. But that's just, that's just the reality this morning. And um, I've just gotten used to just being okay with like, well, whatever, this is just what's happening now. So we're going we're gonna to deal with it. Okay. Um, so one of the things that I've been recognizing recently, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but the last few years um, have been difficult. And 
I don't, if, if you're like me, it's been just sometimes just so overwhelming and so discouraging, <laughs> certain things. Obviously, we've been dealing with COVID. Uh, politically, things are just nuts. And just seems like everybody's always mad about something. And it's really hard not to get discouraged. And I've personally just been feeling so discouraged recently. And a lot of just in, in, a, in a lot of different ways. And, and in certain times, like it just, in some ways, it just feels like just the point of discouragement. Like, does, does it even matter? Like, yeah, I know, I know my life matters. I know like what I do. I, I, I know that I can have an impact on my family and stuff like that. But just people in general, <laughs> the world, outside relationships, like how do we even do this anymore? I don't know if anybody feels that way. It feels tough, man. And it just like people just, I don't know. We just like being mad, apparently. We just like getting upset at each other. And the thing that I've been recognizing, and, and it's not a pointing the finger thing, it's a, it's a, this is a mirror on me, is that we have a significant fear problem. I think part of the reason why things have been so difficult and what's risen to the surface is this deep place of fear. And I'll just talk about myself, but I bet you could probably relate. When COVID first started, <clears throat> You maybe did this too. I remember checking my phone over and over again, like refreshing the page, like what are the COVID numbers now? And trying to get as many updates as I can because it's like, this is new. What's this going to be like? How's this going to look? This is kind of scary. Are we going to be okay? And, you know, almost searching for some kind of control, you know, through having as much information as I could possibly get. And let me tell you, that was not good for me. <laughs> That did not help. Uh, I was freaking out internally. And, um, and you know, and I, I'm sure many of us can, can relate to that. I'll just say I have learned uh, in, in a very poignant way how not good for me my phone is. You know, and, and it's one of those things where it kind of sounds like, you know, it's like something... And I don't mean to offend anybody, but it kind of, like, when you hear that, it kind of sounds like something a grouchy old person would tell you. But really, like, having this kind of access to information is not good for us. Because we don't know how to handle that. And what happens, and again, I'm just speaking on my own, of my own experience in my own life, is that as I'm constantly taking in all of this information, all of this news, and here's the thing about news, like it's fine to know what's going on and stuff, but they're not getting clicks based on like good news, right? That doesn't get clicks. It's like when the thing is like, oh, the new whatever variant or, you know, like whatever thing they're throwing out in your face that it's like, oh no, I need to know about that. That's what's getting clicks. So the fact that we can't just get that once a day at the six o'clock, five o'clock news or whatever, like we get that all the time. It's like dinging on our phone and we just get, we're inundated with all of this stuff and it just puts us on high alert all the time. We're just inundated with all of these fear-based things 
And again, I'm not trying to make any statement about anything other than that's just been my experience. And what I've figured out about myself is that if I am engaging with things uh, like too much, I am discipling myself into a place of fear. I'm allowing myself to be shaped by the kind of stuff that I'm putting into myself over and over and over again. And so maybe, maybe some of you in the room relate to that. But here's the thing about fear is that when we are afraid, we act unlike ourselves. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you did something or said something and immediate, you, immediately you were like, why did I just do that? I know I have. I remember when I was probably in middle school, I was over at my friend's house and we were going to go outside. So I started running outside and uh, their screen door was closed, like just the screen. And you know how those things can sometimes be kind of invisible? Yeah. So I saw it when I was like this far away. So I... I don't exactly remember how the thought process went in my brain, but I just like hit the ground to try to stop. And I, my legs went right through the bottom of their screen. And I was so embarrassed. And so the first thing that came to my mind to say was, I meant to do that. <laughs> I did it. It was a total accident. But for some reason, in my embarrassment, it felt like a good idea at the time to put my legs through their screen and say, oh, I meant to do that. <laughs> okay, not embarrassing anymore <laughs> uh, because I meant to. So it wasn't an accident. That was totally deliberate. And so, yeah, take that screen door, you know. And so anyway, my... <laughs> This is the best part, is that I got home and my mom was like, hey, so Justin's mom called and she said that you said you meant to do that, but she was pretty sure it was an accident. And I was like, yeah, it wasn't. So anyway, I paid for their screen door or whatever and moved on. But another time I crashed my bike in front of a uh, there was this group of girls sitting on a, I was riding my bike across the college campus and um, there's this group of girls. It was like the first nice day of the, of the spring. So there ever, there's tons of people outside and there's this group of girls like sitting on this blanket and I crashed my bike right in front of them and smacked my head on the sidewalk. And like a, you know, like a good college guy, I wasn't wearing a helmet or anything. So I get up and I'm kind of dazed and super embarrassed. And I feel, cause it's I, I, like, I, I was in pain, but I also know how awkward it is to see somebody get hurt in front of you. And so I'm like secondhand feeling their awkwardness and like, okay, this dude just biffed right in front of us. What do we even do? And they just kind of sat there looking at me. And so I get up and my bike's all messed up and, and I, and I get up and I've got some blood on my head and I'm just like, well, kids, that's why you wear your helmet. And then I walked away, walked to the library And it's those, it's those moments where it's like, I, why did I say that? Like, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. But I was embarrassed. I was afraid, right? It was like those poignant moments of like this fear just takes over you and you just do something so dumb. 
something that's so unlike you. And I think we've experienced that, you know, those are kind of funny stories, but we've experienced that in a lot of other ways. It comes out in our relationships, right? When, like, for those of us who are married, how many times have you said something to your spouse and immediately been like, that was bad. (laughs) That was not, because at least in part, It's motivated by this fear that we have of I need to get what I need from this person. They're not giving me what I need. And so I need to do whatever I possibly can to get from them what I feel like I need. And so we'll say things that are hurtful or manipulative or whatever. And and man, let's not even get started on what we'll do to random people online or whatever. Because we're afraid. Most of our political discourse these days is 100% based on fear. People are trying to have debates on what kind of policy that we should make politically. And both sides are just afraid. Like you can take basically any topic that people are debating. And on both sides, you will find people who are deeply afraid. Because we have been discipled to be afraid. We've been discipled by our culture that if this happens, then it will be so bad and your life will be unbearable. And, and it's just, that is how everybody feels about politics these days. That if so-and-so is in the White House or, you know, this party is in control of the Senate or whatever, this bill gets passed, the, you know, the Supreme Court does this. Everybody's like telling you, you should be afraid. You should be afraid. And we're hearing that message all the time. And what happens is we say, oh, okay, I guess I should. And then we start doing things that's very unlike ourselves. And what I see in scripture is Jesus over and over and over again saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And man, let me just tell you, that is difficult. I've just been realizing recently how many decisions I make in my life that are 100% motivated by fear. I would say a majority of the decisions I make in my life are motivated by fear. And I'd venture, if you really began to think about that too, you might discover the same thing. And so what do we do about this? Jesus says a few things, and and again, this is all last minute, so some of this is not going to be on the screen, but you can just listen, and in in Matthew chapter 6, part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is like, hey, don't be anxious about anything. Don't even be anxious about having food to eat. That's a basic necessity. Like, you're not going to make it that long without food. I could make it maybe a little longer than you, got some stored up, but that's a basic necessity. I mean, we're, we get anxious and worried about a lot of things. Some of us have had to worry about food, but I would say for, for a lot of us, that has not been a common experience, worrying about where our next meal would come from. Many of us haven't had to worry about that ever, really. And so 
Jesus is saying, don't even worry about that. Don't even worry about having clothes to wear. It's like, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. God's taking care of them. And you're much more valuable than them. And he invites us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and let all this other stuff be added. That's difficult. That's difficult. Because I tend to just be freaked out and anxious. In Luke 12, he says to his disciples, he's like, hey, don't fear those who kill the body. And I'm like, hold up. (laughs) That sounds pretty bad. That sounds worthy of being a little bit afraid of. I don't know, Jesus, like if there's something that's worth being anxious about, maybe dying? He's like, don't be, don't be afraid of them. He said, instead, fear the one who after you die has the power to put you into hell. Like, whew, that's like a gut punch. But again, Jesus has a very different perspective than I do, apparently. In Mark, this guy comes up to him, this guy named Jairus. And his daughter is like really, really sick. So he comes to find Jesus. And in the process of this whole thing, finally, he gets some time with Jesus. And Jesus starts coming with him to his house. And these guys come and meet him. And they're like, dude, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter already died. And just as a dad, I can't imagine what that would feel like. All of the fear and the anxiety that Jairus is feeling as he's going, he's trying to find Jesus. He's doing everything he can to save his little girl. And they're almost there. And then all of a sudden they're like, it's too late, man. I mean, to me, that sounds worse than death. And the very next thing that Jesus says to Jairus is he says, do not be afraid. Only believe. I don't know about you guys, but does that, does that hit you like it hits me? Because Jesus is living in a different reality than I live in. He is operating under a totally different mindset than I live in. Because Jesus keeps talking about my biggest fears and then says, don't be afraid. And I I don't understand how that's possible. (laughs) How is this possible, Jesus? Because this is the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night. So obviously, you know, we are being discipled by our culture just to be afraid about everything. And again, you know, I think, I think one of the things about fear and the thing that's so powerful about fear is when you make somebody afraid, man, you can control them. And this is why Jesus is saying, hey, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because we are not made to be controlled by fear, right? We're made to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and to have self-control and to say, Jesus, with my self-control, I'm giving myself to you. And I'm saying yes, and I want to do what you've created me to do and live the way you've created me to live. So 
rather than being discipled by our culture, the only other option we have, we can be discipled by the world or we can be discipled by Jesus. So I just want to look at this passage real quick. This is one of my favorite passages. And, um, and obviously today I've had to like just kind of throw this stuff together real quick. Um, but this is, one of the, this is one of those go-to passages for me that if I have to give a quick sermon, I'm going to pull this one out. Because I love this passage for so many reasons. Number one, I think it's so funny. There's some super funny stuff that happens. But also it's deeply convicting to me every time I read it. So let's, let's jump into this. This is in Luke chapter 8. So let's see what it looks like. So we know what it looks like to be discipled by the world. We know what it looks like to be discipled by our culture. I mean, we just, all we have to do is just keep reading that same stuff. Keep watching that same stuff. Be inundated with that kind of information and just let that be the main thing that we're ingesting. That'll do, that'll do it. That's all we need to do. And I'm good at that. And I'm sure you probably are too. So what does it look like to be discipled by Jesus? Luke chapter 8. Starting in verse 22, it says, One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? Now that happens in whatever that is, five verses or something, four or five verses. But have you ever had a near-death experience? Time slows down. This one time I was going, I was riding with a group of friends. Um, we were going to a music festival and, um, and the gal who was driving, she got on, she, she got off on the wrong exit. We had made a stop and she got off on the wrong exit. So we were going in that like opposite direction. And the next exit was, you know, 15 miles down the road or something. So, you know, those little spots where like police officers like to sit in the middle of, where it's like, do not do a U-turn here. She decided that that was going to be where she did a U-turn. So we're going like literally, I think we had to have been going at least 50 miles an hour when she swings the car onto this gravel, you know, spot. And I'm sitting in the back and we had just picked up some snacks. So I'm sitting in the back and I'm eating bugles. <laughs> and so time just like slows down and we're spinning around on this gravel. And I'm like, this is it. I'm this car is going to flip and I'm going to die sitting in the back seat of this car eating bugles. And I'm going to appear before Jesus with a bugle in my mouth. Like, here I am, Jesus. Like, well, you know, hi, it's me. And, uh, and so anyway, miraculously, like Jesus, like must have held the car down to the ground and we like made it around and we were fine, but we were all sweating, you know, and it was, you know, it's just one of those moments where like, it's just like, this is it. This is it. This is the last moment of my life. And, you know, the last thing I ever ate was bugles. So I don't eat bugles really anymore. Um, 
But I just always find this fascinating because these guys are experienced on the water. A lot of his disciples are fishermen. They've been on this lake a lot. And so if they say we're going to die, they're not exaggerating. They know what it looks like. I I guarantee they know people who have been caught in storms like this and died. So this is, this is real. (laughs) And they're, so in my mind, it's like reasonable that they would be freaking out a little bit, that they would feel a little afraid, like, okay, this is it. And and so it, it always boggles my mind that Jesus, after calming the storm, says, where's your faith? Because I know if I was in their position, I would be feeling exactly the same way they are. But Jesus obviously has a different mindset. See, because what happens is they are so afraid of this seemingly impossible situation. I mean, it seems like certain death. And then all Jesus has to do is say, hey, be quiet. And it's over. And then do you see what it says at the end of this, these verses? It says, and they were afraid and marveled and said, who is this that he even commands winds and water and they obey him? Their fear changes from I'm afraid of this storm, I'm going to die, to like, whoa, who is this guy? And they've been following Jesus for a while at this point. But they didn't know he could do that. And here's the funny thing. Is for me, I've, I know this story well. <laughs> I've heard it since I was a child <laughs> in Sunday school. And I guarantee you, if I was out on a lake in a storm like this and the water was coming in and I like, I would probably still feel afraid because obviously I don't know Jesus like this. I haven't come to trust Jesus like this, but this is what Jesus does with his disciples is he's taking them Because did Jesus know that this storm was going to happen? Yeah. So he's led them to this place intentionally so that they could see him do what only he could do. He took took them to this place of impossibility so that they could see him do what they previously thought would have been impossible. And they got to know Jesus like they had never imagined they would ever know him. And so if we want to be disciples of Jesus, we just have to kind of temper our expectations. That what Jesus does with our fear is he'll actually drive us right into the heart of it. But... He's with us the whole time. See, it would have been a different story. And, 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 and there's, because this, 
This also happens where they're in a boat, they're out on the lake, it's a storm, and Jesus walks out on the water to them, right? This, he does this a few times. And so just like you and I, there are these places of consistent fear in our lives. And what Jesus will do is continue to show us his presence in the middle of these times of fear, in the middle of these times of difficulty. And when that fear comes up again, what we do is we experience Jesus's presence again. And so uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I want to continue this passage because, so, you know, this, this is just happening in the middle of a journey. They have a destination. They're trying to get to the other side of the lake. Now, here's the thing about the other side of the lake. There, this is a place where, you know, these guys, you know, probably as young Jewish boys, their parents would have said, hey, never go over there. Don't go to that spot because those people are not good people. Those are not Jewish people over there. Don't, don't go there. So Jesus is taking them. And, 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 and so let's, let's read what happens. So they, they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. So at this point, it's kind of like, as, again, I'm just putting myself in the spot of like, okay, what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? At this point, it's like, okay, wow, Jesus, that was a crazy lesson we just learned with that whole storm thing and you calm the waves and that was awesome. And I am exhausted. So let's get to the other side. Let's have a nice beach day. Let's just relax for a second. But nope, demon man. Oh, and get this, for a long time he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. So this is naked demon man. So they've just stepped out from, you know, like near death experience to like freaky, like crazy naked demon man running up. I mean, talk about I mean, bare minimum, this is socially awkward, <laughs> but more likely just absolutely terrifying. Like, you know, this guy is not in his right mind. And, and so these guys are like, I just imagine they get to the other side of the lake. They start pulling the boat up on land. Jesus is out. You know, the, some of the disciples are out. Some of the fishermen disciples are trying to like wrap up the boat stuff or whatever. And then this guy runs up. And I imagine most of the disciples are back in the boat. Like real quick. And, you know, they can't lock the doors, but <laughs> like that's, the, that's what's happening here. And then let's, let's read what happens. So when he saw Jesus, this is, this is the, the naked demon man. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time, it had, and now we're going to get a picture of what this guy's life has looked like. For many a time, it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and he would be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? 
and he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him, and he begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let him enter these. And so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Whoa. And this is, this is like crazy stuff. And, and again, as, as these disciples, this has got to be one of the craziest, most uncomfortable situations they've ever been in. Because number one, you know, there's this naked demon-possessed man there, but there's also, um, they're, they're coming up on the shore and there's a herd of pigs on the, on the, you know, on the side of the hill. And as a Jewish person, you're like, that is not kosher. So it's like, I mean, I, I think the closest thing for us would be like, you show up on the beach and there's all these like used needles everywhere. And you're just like, this is not good. This is a bad place to be. So they, they're just having a terrible day. And Jesus is taking them step by step to all of these places. Because again, what we see is in the storm, they have no idea that Jesus has the power to do whatever he wants, even commanding weather. And when they come up to this thing, I, I guarantee you, if they're like me, they are far more concerned with their own safety and their own well-being than with this person who's made in the image of God, valued by Jesus, and has been tormented for so long. They can't even, I guarantee you, if, again, if, if, if I was one of these disciples, I'm not thinking about that guy. I'm thinking about this guy. And this is the thing about fear is that we stop loving people. We stop loving people. And this is the amazing thing about Jesus is that he never does. He never stops loving people. He's able to go to these incredibly difficult, just gritty, raw places of our reality and apply his love and his freedom and his power like nobody else can. And on my own, I can't do that. But when I'm with Jesus, that opens up a lot of possibilities. And I think for many of us, we've been interacting with people like this, I'm sure they felt about this guy. Like this guy was nasty. Like the last person that they would ever want to spend any time with. But do you know what happens? Is that this, this guy is set free. He begs Jesus that he would allow him to come be one of his disciples. And Jesus is like, actually, I want you to go out into all these cities in this area and tell people what I did for you. So Jesus and his, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus and his disciples leave. They come back a while later. And when they come back, oh, sorry, I should mention. So since Jesus sent all these pigs uh, to their death, <laughs> um, all the people were like, Jesus, get out of here. <laughs> And so they were freaked out by Jesus. But when he comes back, this guy who was formerly possessed by demons now is set free, now is a follower of Jesus. He's been telling everybody what's, what Jesus has done for him. People have been hearing his testimony. And now crowds of people, when Jesus comes back, crowds of people are bringing people who are sick and possessed and stuff to be set free and healed by Jesus. So this guy goes from naked demon man to like major awesome missionary man. And only Jesus could do that. And only Jesus could see through the stuff that we tend to see first. Only Jesus could 
get over the fear of what could this guy do to me? And Jesus looks at this guy's heart and he heals him, sets him free and sets his life on a brand new trajectory. That's, that's what Jesus does. And yet for me and probably for many of us in the room, we live our lives based on being afraid. When Jesus says so many times, do not be afraid. Where is your faith? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I'm about? Don't you know what I can do? So what do we do? Well, just real practically, and, and again, uh, this, this is, this is going to be a lifelong journey for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is going to be a lifelong journey for us. That over and over again, if, if we're being disciples of Jesus, he's just going to take us to these places over and over again. Because one of the things I've been meditating on is a, a lot is is just the 23rd Psalm. And I encourage you to do it. I encourage you even, it's a great, that is a great one to memorize. If you've been wanting to memorize some scripture and you're just kind of like, oh, it's too hard and there's so much, like the Bible's so long and there's, where do I, just start with the 23rd Psalm and just start rehearsing that, meditating on that in your own life. Because here's the thing that the 23rd Psalm says. It says, the Lord is my shepherd which means that he's in control. He's leading me. I don't need to know the future. I don't need to have it planned out. I don't need to have all of the details. He's got it. I just follow. I just trust. I just believe. It says, I shall not want. There's nothing that I need. I'll tell you a few weeks ago, I was laying up late at night worrying about finances. Is that relatable to anybody? It was like 2 a.m. And again, it, it, was, it was silly. It's, it's the, this is the way that fear is, right? There, it wasn't like, in this, this particular instance for me, it wasn't like there was like a specific thing going on. There wasn't like this specific bill that needed to be paid. Or, it was nothing like that. It was just like this worry of like, are we going to be okay? Am I, am I going to be able to do, you know, well for my family and take care of my family and all this stuff. And I just was, you know, and then just like we do trying to figure out, okay, what do I need to plan? And how can I do this? And what, how can I invest wisely? And how can I, do I need to, you know, whatever, just thinking of all this different stuff. So it's like 2 a.m. And I'm like, this, I'm not getting anywhere. And I'm sleepy. And I was like, maybe I should just pray. <laughs> it's like, you know, that's probably a good idea. So I was just like, all right, Lord, I'm just freaking out here and I just need some help. And I just felt him say this, not an audible voice, but I just felt him say, bring this to my mind. I just felt him bring to my mind, have you ever been in need? And I was just laying there and I was like, not even once. Not even once. I've never lacked any good thing. Never. And then I went to sleep. And man, I'll just tell you, it's not always that quick. <laughs> but that's, that's what we do. When we're, in, when, we're in, when we're afraid, when we're feeling that anxiety, we need to engage with Jesus who is right there with us. That's the best thing that the disciples did in the boat, right? 
They were like, we're going to die. Let's wake up Jesus. <laughs> he was with them the whole time and they were just like bailing out, right? And finally they're like, Jesus, help. And he's like, okay, sure. Now again, it's not always that cut and dried, right? But when we remember that Jesus is with us, it changes things. And then, like, let's just look at what the rest of the 23rd Psalm says. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. When I want to work, when I want to control, when I want to have everything, he's like, just lay down. Just stop. I'm the shepherd. <laughs> he leads me beside quiet waters. And he restores my soul. Does anybody need that? Oh my goodness. And he leads me on paths of righteousness. He leads me on the right paths for his name's sake. Like he actually has a plan for my life. That's good. And he knows what my steps are going to be. He's got it planned out. And some of those some of those steps, some of those paths might be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Right? Apparently Jesus does that with his disciples. The good shepherd does that with his sheep. He takes us through that valley in his rod and his staff. They comfort us in the middle of the worst that we've ever experienced. And we just get to see Jesus as powerful and strong and able. And he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. We experience God's abundance even when we feel surrounded. That even when the worst things of our life are happening, the things that we feared, like, oh God, don't ever let this happen, and it happens, that we still find this table of abundance of God's goodness, and his goodness and his mercy follow us. He's, he's just pouring out his anointing and his blessing on our lives, and we get to dwell with him in his house forever. And it's amazing. I mean, these are, these are words that have been spoken and sung for thousands of years. And they're still just as true today and our human heart still needs it just as much today. Philippians chapter four says, the Lord is at hand. He's close. He's near. <laughs> He's with you. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's something about just coming to God in prayer and in thankfulness that begins to change our perspective to see a bigger picture than just the one thing that we're so freaked out about in the moment. Because again, our culture says, hey, you need to hyper-focus on all of this stuff. Like you got to check the Google reviews because if you go there and it's bad, you could have seen that it was only two stars and you just messed up big time. So you got to feel anxious about even what restaurant you're picking today. But Jesus invites us to just be thankful to allow him to do that in us. And then it says the peace of God will will surpass even, like, I don't even know why I feel at peace. Like, no, no situations have changed, but I feel peace. And that, that will rule in our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It'll guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus.
So I'll invite the band to come up. And as we wrap up, just want to encourage you that as, as we are learning to be disciples of Jesus and as we're following him, man, fear, fear is always going to be something that we have to wrestle with, right? But in maturing in Jesus, we need to learn how to deal with it quickly so that we can continue to have self-control, that we can continue to be led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because it's not just about me feeling okay with my life, although that really is important to me also. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be so gripped by anxiety. I don't want to be so gripped by fear all the time. But it's not just about me either, is it? Because there are people around us that we can't even see right now because we're so freaked out. There are people that God has put in your kind of sphere of influence that he specifically equipped you already and empowered you to love them. But we aren't able to see it because we're just consumed by being fearful and anxious about other things. Or maybe we're fearful and anxious of that person because of whatever thing. But I would just encourage you and encourage myself that Jesus has amazing things. And I mean, as we continue to read through the book of Acts, like this next section we're going to go in, we're going to see people continue to be healed. uh, This this gal named Dorcas gets uh, resurrected. (laughs) I mean, God is in the business of doing amazing things in people's lives. And he has an amazing mission for us. But if I'm honest, I get so worried and fearful about my life and my kingdom that I don't seek first his. But when I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, his kingdom is never shaken. And there is no fear when I'm thinking about his kingdom because he's in control. All authority has been given to him. So as we respond in worship, I just encourage you, maybe there's been some things in your life that it's been like part of the reason why you've had this fear and this anxiety is because you have built your life upon a foundation of other things other than Jesus. And you've put your hope in a future based on, I hope I have this much money in my retirement account. I hope I have this kind of health. I hope these people, you know, around me have this kind of health. I hope, you know, whatever. And we, we build our hope on the expectation that we have for these different situations in our life. And all of those things will disappoint us. And all of those things just lead to anxiety because we have no control over any of that stuff the one thing that we can do is seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and build our lives upon the firm foundation of Jesus who has a forever home for us. Where all the stuff that we're worried about right now, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna take care of that. The reason we're in this mess right now is because he's being patient so that many people would come to faith in him. That's why we're here. So that we could be a part of his mission. Seeing people come to faith in Jesus, be made alive, be taken from, you know, crazy naked demon man to awesome missionary dude. And there's people around us all over that are ready to accept Jesus right now today. <laughs> and we need Jesus to change us from the inside out, that we, need, that we would come to repentance, that we would, again, just agree with him and say, Jesus, would you have your way in my life? Would you lead me to the people around me to love them the way you do? So let's respond in worship.